2: All right. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Great to have you along. It is uh, the Patrick Johnson Show here on the flagship of the ECU Pirates, your exclusive home for ECU Baseball, 94.3 The Game. I am merely the great P-Man uh, welcoming you in on a uh, Wednesday. You got through the midweek. It's all downhill from here as we uh, get ready for uh, a home basketball weekend. And uh, we're on the eve of the women's basketball team and their uh, game that they will play in the uh, uh, first uh, game at home this season following the uh, championship win in the uh, American Athletic Conference Tournament. So uh, that is uh, tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, best-selling author John Feinstein. Lots to talk about with John. Uh, Including his new projects, and uh, also uh, we'll get his thoughts on Bob Knight. Obviously, the Bob Knight book is the thing that put John on the map. Season on the Brink, which uh, if you've never read that, and you're just you know want to read a really well written sports book, that is just a just a well written book. That's one of the very best. Uh, Also, uh, we'll talk about Army's entree into the. uh, american athletic conference next season john uh, for years covered uh, army navy uh, that game and uh, we'll get his thoughts on all of that uh, coming up all right let's uh, go ahead pilk i'm going to try to work in here before we get to doug martin by the way doug martin will be uh, with us today we'll be uh, talking college football talk the pirates and uh, talk some more with coach martin but uh, let's go ahead and hit a pirate report and uh, get in on some of coach houston's comments
0: and now patrick johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ecu pirates ninety-four-three. the game all right well coach houston uh making comments
2: on uh tuesday saying that uh he really hated the fact that uh, the team did not get the win over Tulane, mainly for the fans sake
1: appreciate uh you know the the fan support that was out here the student body showed up and just created a great atmosphere in the stadium along with uh, the way our team was performing. Um, And, you know, uh, very good Tulane football team. I think uh, ranked 21st in the country coming in here. And, uh, you know, our kids went out and and played their tails off and uh, we had a shot to win the ball game in the fourth quarter. Uh, You know, went to the fourth tied at 10 apiece uh, and then had the ball across midfield down 13-10. Um, and unfortunately, could not uh, get that drive all the way into the end zone and come away with what would have been a, a, a great home victory and a great way to celebrate with uh, with Pirate Nation. And you know that's the probably the toughest thing about it is I, just, I hate we weren't able to give our our, our kids and uh, our fans that were here on Saturday uh, the ability to celebrate uh, a huge home win
2: all right also uh coach talking about FAU and uh, this is a offense that's really predicated on the run uh, and uh, he gives us a a scout of uh the boys from Boca Raton, the owls of FAU
1: I think that they are a, a very talented uh offense and have played uh you know fairly well here uh, over the last month and I think you know they did, did not play as well against UTSA but other than that one have played very well over the last month
2: all right. Uh, a couple more here and, uh, I'm told we already got Doug Martin on. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, talk about, uh, the final three quarters after the pirates got off to the, uh, good start. We'll have
1: Doug comment on this, but right now let's hear coach Houston, you know, what happened after the first quarter, you know, I think Tulane did a really good job of, of driving the football and to a degree playing a little bit of keep away from us. You know, we got three possessions in the second half and that's it one in the third quarter and two in the fourth. Um, you know, so, you know, they did a good job keeping the ball away from us and, and we weren't able to extend drives and create explosive plays the way we were the first two possessions of the ball game. Um, even still, uh, you know, we had 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 the chance there in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, with the ball across midfield, uh, you know, to, to, to do something right there to, to put us back in the lead and you know, that's you know, that's where you just got you gotta make you gotta make those plays at that point. You know, we just uh weren't able to, you know, convert the third or fourth down right there. And, uh, coach was asked, would a win push this uh, team over the hump? Well, you know, we, we kind of went through this a little bit in 2020, you know, where we had a lot of close losses and, you know, learning how to win. And, um, you know, I, th- I think we got a lot of guys on our roster that have won. you know, there's a bunch of those kids on defense that have been a part of, you know, two straight bowl trips. Uh, but you know you have a lot of offensive guys that uh, you know are, are kind of in that role for the first time, and you know we've had opportunities to win ball games in the fourth quarter, you know, for the last month, uh, and you know we we just we got to make it over that hump, and that's just it. You know you got to make that play on on third down, you know, to extend the drive. You gotta you gotta make that contested catch on fourth, or you gotta you gotta make that block at that crucial moment. Uh, and you know until you make those plays, you haven't made those plays, and.
2: Uh, the conversation with Jack Powers who is
1: uh, out for the season coach Houston on that. you can't sit here and, and ask yourself why me because that's what uh, that's what happens when guys are in that situation because you know he's a guy that pours everything into it. Uh, and he's a very uh, positive leader in our in our locker room uh, and he plays the game the way you want him to play and so you know I sat down with him yesterday evening after we had got confirmation of what was going on with him and just you know, talk through his season and uh, what he'd done in his time here, and then we talk through you know just what his next steps are. And uh, his primary focus right now is to support his teammates uh, and to support our program uh, and to you know continue to be a strong leader. Uh, and then you know he and I and you know all of our you know people around our program are going to work together to help him with what's the next step in life for him.
3: And
2: uh, here's uh, Coach talking about Gerald Green and what he brings to the team.
1: Hit it, Pilk. I think he's he's brought some you know positive energy and just you know, some fresh legs and uh, you know he was very frustrated being out for as long as he was, but uh, he's came back you know uh, you know really excited and enthusiastic and, uh, and and playing at a very high level and so you know it was great to see him. Get in there and uh, get in the end zone for the first time as a pirate. And He was excited about that, and uh, you know I told him, you know, feel free to feel free to do it more than once now. So, but uh, you know I think he's you know brought uh, a little bit of a little bit of positive juice to that room, and uh, I thought he and Rajay both uh, did a really solid job on Saturday.
2: All right, let's hear coach on Sam Danka uh, having to uh, step up with Jack
1: Powers out. That's oh, huge. You know he's uh, you know he's been having a solid season. Uh, playing a lot on special teams, playing, you know, some on defense also. Uh, I know he's hungry to get out there and play more on defense, and so he'll get that opportunity. Um, now, you know, Jack and Jeremy have been playing at a very high level. Uh, I've been very pleased how they've both been playing. And so, you know, Sam's got to make sure that he has the week of practice to prepare to go out there and play at that same high level. And that's, uh, that's always the challenge for guys when they're when they're young is, you know, you can't have a drop-off. Uh, you gotta you gotta be able to play at the same level of the guys that you're going in there for, and so uh, I think he'll be able to do that. Uh, and I know that uh, Coach Dallas does an excellent job with those guys, and he'll push he'll push him to be ready.
2: And uh, let's get a final comment here from Coach on the performance
1: of Keaton Mitchell. It was good to see. You. I got to I got to catch some of the highlights when I got home Sunday night. Uh, my 14 year old had uh, he'd been watching all of it, and so. Uh, it was great to see keaton you know getting a shot and doing the things that we all have watched keaton do for the last several years here and uh you know i messaged with him uh yesterday morning uh just about how proud i was of him and uh just you know keep doing his thing and i know he will uh and i'm just excited for the opportunity he's getting you know that's you know you just hope that he was going to get uh you know get a solid shot he's getting that shot and he's making the most of it and that's you know, that's all you can ask for in his position. So excited to see awesome what he does. Awesome stuff, Doug. Ma-
2: oh, sorry, Coach. We'll wrap it up uh, for the Pirate Report today, and we will talk to Doug Martin when we come back on the Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Lots of college football to discuss. We're going to put some of Coach Martin's business in the streets.
0: We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game.
2: Come on. We've got uh, Doug Martin with us here on the P.J. Show. Before we get to coach, a quick reminder that uh, we'll have uh, coverage for you beginning at 1130 on Saturday with our Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown. It is uh, fueled, of course, by Bushlight, and uh, we'll have it for you 11.30 to one thirty, right here on 94.3 The Game with Scotty Scooter-Rogers and Terrence Copper. And uh, then we'll go uh, with uh, ECU basketball coverage here on 94.3 The Game Saturday, uh, one thirty airtime for the pregame with Darren Vaught and Michael Perry. And then the game, and uh, after that, we will join the uh, gang in Boca Raton on the uh, football side in progress. 107.9 WNCT will have coverage of ECU at FAU on the grid, beginning at 3 o'clock with the uh, 4.02 kick. Let's go now to uh, beautiful Carteret County. I'm surprised we have him on a couch, and he's not, not in a vessel. I'm putting coaches' business <laughs> in the street. I thought you'd be on the vessel coach.
3: I was going to daylight savings time. Got me though. It's just too dark out there now. <laughs> <laughs> much in more than tonight. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, look,
2: congratulations to you because you've earned it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I told Vicki, yeah, there's not many wins, not many wins equal to the, the day of buying a boat, but. Probably the miami wins at e c u and the, the game we beat in n c state and charlotte those, those will be up there, but other than that, this is a pretty good day.
2: I like that all of your uh, fond memories are with the pirates that's uh Doug Martin once a pirate always a pirate is Doug Martin for sure so well coach uh here we go as uh we we're kind of in the time of the year where a lot of seasons are made, a lot of seasons are broken uh pirates. Uh, could not spring the upset of Tulane so they're in pretty really good position right now actually still undefeated in the conference just the one loss they're uh, sort of the bell of the ball from the so-called G5 uh to be in a New Year's Day bowl at this point uh we'll talk about the pirates but I want to get your impressions of Tulane what uh we've talked about Willie Fritz before and you know I didn't think Michael Pratt was uh you know Uh, Something like 20, 30 some odd games in a row, he'd thrown a touchdown and that didn't happen. And, um, but, you know, I thought he did enough, especially on that last drive. I thought he did enough to kind of salt the game away. And, and didn't, I'll I'll say this, he didn't put Tulane in any bad positions. Now, the Pirates dropped some would be interceptions, but uh, boy, he's just such a heady player, too.
3: Yeah, he is. And they, you know, they've just got a really well balanced football team. You know, they can win with defense. They can win with offense different days. There have been some games they've scored a lot of points. There has been other games where defense has carried them. You know, and they play they play good team football, which Willie's always coached that and he's always gotten that done. But I think, you know, a lot of their offensive struggles really were a tribute to East Carolina, the way they played defense. I mean, ECU's really played good defense all year long. There's not been many games where, you know, you'd say they haven't gone out and really stymied most people so I, I i'd give them hats off to the way they played defense in that game I think they gave two a lot of problems
2: you know the green wave uh i think also are the, the type of team uh they have so much experience they can kind of rely back on and, uh, and, and and to me that was the they never seemed panicked they never seemed uh tight even though they were in a real dogfight last saturday
3: Yeah, and and, you know, they're they're used to winning close games, and good teams win close games. That's you know, and you win games late. That's always the mark of a good football team and a good football program. And it's really something you've really, as a a coach and a coaching staff, you've really got to ingrain that in your players because everybody talks about, oh, we want to go out and beat them by 30 and beat them by 20. And that very rarely happens. I mean, that other team has scholarships too. You know, so every Saturday, you've got to be prepared to go down and win a game on the last play of the game in the fourth quarter, and when you can get that done, man, you've really got something special with your football team now. And Tulane has that. So they've got a lot of confidence. You know, the last two years, they've played good football. When they get in those situations, you know, they're confident the other team's going to break. You
2: know, it's interesting. They're in that three-way tie, are the Green Wave, with uh, SMU and UTSA. They'll play UTSA in the final game of the regular season. Uh, But SMU misses UTSA. They miss Tulane, so it looks like maybe SMU, with what they have remaining, Memphis might be a stumbling block for them, uh, and it's on the road. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure SMU is going to be favored in in that one. So I think the Mustangs and Green Wave are maybe headed for a little bit of a collision course, possibly.
3: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. Memphis is a struggle. You know, they're they're really. You know, you don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next with Memphis, but they've always got talent. They've always got a lot of speed on the field. They can make things happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. Where, do you know where that game is, Patrick? Where are they playing that game?
2: It's at Memphis.
3: Yeah, that, that helps. You know, Memphis is much better at home than they are on the road. Um, that's a good environment to play in. So, you know, that would be an interesting game to watch.
2: All right. Doug Martin is with us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson show. It's great to have uh, coach uh, with us uh, midweeks this year to talk uh, college football. I want to talk about the pirates boy, a really good first quarter. Of course, as we've talked about here, that's when you usually script out your opening drives and the pirates did that. I thought ECU's uh, offense looked decisive. You know, they just couldn't carry it over for the final three quarters, but, uh, you know, they, they jumped out, and the offense showed they could do some things.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, they, they had some good things going early, uh, some empty sets that really helped Flynn get some early completions. You know, when your offense is struggling, you just need to get some first downs early to get things moving, get some tempo going. You know, they started off a pretty good job of that, and uh, unfortunately weren't, weren't able to maintain it. But, you know, again, defensively, I just keep going back to that. When you, know, when you can play defense, you've got a chance to win football games. And right. even you know, in that game, you know, ECU had a chance to win that game, even though it was a low-scoring game because their defense put them in that position. So, hey, you know, anything could happen down the stretch. I, I think there's certainly some strategy for the coaching staff of ECU of how they've got to set themselves up for next year, now for spring practice and mm-hmm. next year to be a good football right. team with these remaining games. Um, At the same time, you want to win these games, but you really got to build toward next season here also. So there's really some things that will be interesting to see which way they go here at the end of the year. All right, I'm going
2: to ask you a total dumb guy question here to an expert offensive mind in in football. So there was a point in the fourth quarter where I thought to myself – why not go back to the, to the script that you started the game with here just to get the offense going? Because it had been just so, so grinded down to a halt.
3: Am I nuts? No, I, I tell you, Patrick, I've done that many, many times. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's times I can remember a game against Southern Mississippi back in East Carolina where we went through the script and I just went right back to the beginning of it again because it had gone so well. And certainly to start the second half, there's a lot of times where we go back and hit that script again. And and some people even script the second half plays at halftime also. You know, you you kind of get a feel for what's going on. Um, But there's nothing wrong with going back and hitting that script again, for sure. Um, But, you know, I'm sure they have their reasons for what they're doing and all those things. And I'm not in their meeting rooms and I don't study the tendency of the other teams are playing, which they do. So they've got the answers for what they're doing, but, uh, there's a lot to be said for getting back on that script at times, and there's been. Hey, I've had times where, man, that script just isn't working. You got to jump off of it too, right? You know? So, yeah, calling plays is really it's really an art. I mean, it really is. And you know, I've been fortunate. I've, I think I coached for 40 years, and I think 35 of those years I was an offensive coordinator. And you know, it, but wow. it's it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of feel. Some guys are very analytical with it. Some guys are more feel oriented. Now uh, I was a little bit more feel-oriented than the analytics of things, but uh, you know, and, and Steve Logan was who I worked for, and that's who I kind of learned things from. But you know, the script is valuable, and, but you got to be able to know when to get off of it and back onto it.
2: All right. Well, this see, I've, I'm fascinated by all this. By the way, uh, by affirming the host's uh, dumb thought, this is one of the big reasons why we have you on the show. You, you, you have aff- you agreed. <laughs> That's the biggest reason we have you on. When you said
3: a great football mind, I was about to go get Vicky down (laughs) here to answer the question. I didn't know if you were talking to me or not.
2: Let me ask you this. Um, When you were putting together said script, how big is the playbook for you? I mean, I know there's only so much time to work. Now, it's a little different where you are now at the USFL as far as practice. But, you know, you can't keep those guys out there for hours on end. So what is the... What does the menu look like when you're putting together that game plan? And how long does it take an offensive coordinator typically in your experience to kind of put that together? And all right, that's what we're going with.
3: Yeah. You know, Sunday nights are a night to get acclimated to the team that you're getting ready to play, get a good feel for what they're going to be doing. And we were always a team that took Mondays off. So we had the entire day Monday to game plan. So it would start, you know, 630 in the morning and, Usually by 6 o'clock that night, we would have the the base game plan in. We would have our goal line in, uh, you know, some other situations. Tuesdays, we would hit red zone and third downs, and we'd make sure those were done because you're going to practice those on Wednesday. You know, and then Wednesday, you're kind of polishing things up. So by Thursday, you've got everything set. The menu part of things, you know, we always had a big grease board in the offices that had our entire playbook on it. You know, the runs, passes, play actions, everything. And then we would just pick and choose from that menu board. We would never take everything that was on the, the playbook, you know, on that menu board into a game. But um, And a lot of it depends on how a veteran of a team you have, your quarterback especially, according to, you know, how many play actions you're going to take, how many drop back packs, passes. That, that varied depending on who the quarterback was and, and what you were facing. So, you know, it's kind of a roundabout question for it, but it really depends on your players.
2: Interesting. Really uh fascinating stuff. Doug Martin, uh one time ECU offensive coordinator and of course Coach Martin, uh head coach at Kent State and New Mexico State, two of the most plum jobs that a head coach can have in college uh football. <laughs> and uh Doug Martin. He he rode that wave, yeah. baby, to a boat. That's that's all I could tell yeah. you. He rode it to have you has I it, gone, has, it have, has
0: it
3: has it been christened yet? yet?
2: You had no, a lot tomorrow. of hair when you said it. Tomorrow yeah. it gets christened. Okay. Tomorrow, all right.
3: Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. All right. How far are you taking it out? Uh, as far as I can go, man. I'm going to be up there all day. <laughs> so the, and if we never you know, hear from you again, we know you, we know yeah, you just kept going. <laughs> I'll just come in every Wednesday for this.
2: There. Well, I don't blame you as good as the weather's been. I don't blame you at all. Hey uh, coach, would you talk about the ECU defense and, and how good they are? What particularly uh, do they do well in your opinion?
3: Well, I think number one, physically, they've got really good team speed. You know, they, they've recruited really well, I think, on that side of the ball. Um, I think they're very twitchy up front. They, they've got guys that can move. I think they move the front really well. They do some interesting things. They're not just a sitting target for offenses. You know, they're able to to shift their defense before the snap. I think they do a good job of mixing things up when they're pressuring, um, you know, when they're going to lay back and play their zone defenses. You know, to me, the teams that, you know, all teams have tendencies. All good teams have tendencies. I'll say that. But teams that know when to break their tendencies are really well coached. And I think East Carolina does a nice job of, you know, breaking defensive tendencies and surprising people about when they're bringing pressure, whether it's down in distance or where it is field zone wise. Uh, I, I think they're really well coached on that side of the ball.
2: We have uh, Doug Martin with us uh, here, and we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, well, some other goings on in college football. So, uh, including uh, kind of a surprising development to come out of NC State. So, uh, we'll do that with Coach. Coach, could you hang through the break to do that? Are you good to do that? You bet. All right, Doug Martin, going to hang with us through the break. Right now, Philip, the ref, Pilkington, with a pirate report and ninety-four-three, the game sports update, Pilk.
4: Thanks Patrick We will start in Pirate Athletics This weekend the Pirates will travel down To Boca Raton to take on FAU And Coach Houston gave us a little Scouting report on their quarterback Daniel Richardson
1: Tien was the starter, I think, at Central Michigan. uh, Transferred to FAU uh, and has played the bulk of the season this year, Um, has played very well. Uh, Fairly mobile guy, athletic, uh, throws the ball very well in the pocket.
4: Raleigh, North Carolina's Chloe Miller has committed to ECU's women's basketball team for the 2024 class. The senior from Broughton High School is a 6'1 forward. Former Pirate running back Keith Mitchell has been named the NFL's FedEx Ground Player of the Week after having 138 yards and a touchdown on nine carries in Sunday's win over Seattle. Stayed in the NFL, the Bears have announced that quarterback Justin Fields is doubtful for Thursday night's game against the Carolina Panthers. Rookie Tyson Bagnett is expected to be the starter. You can hear that on our sister station at Talk 1037 WTIB. The Los Angeles Angels have hired a new manager. They've hired 71-year-old Ron Washington, who managed the Rangers from 2007 to 2014 and has spent the last seven seasons on staff with the Atlanta Braves. Last night, Martin H. fought, found the back of the net in overtime to give the Canes a 3-2 win over the Buffalo Sabres. They have now won five of their last six and will be back in action on Friday when they travel down to Florida to take on the Panthers. We'll be right back with more of the Patrick Johnson show with Doug Martin to talk more of college football this weekend.
0: Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson show on 94.3 the game.
2: This is the happy hour
0: program. Here's the P-Man.
2: Doug Martin joining us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson show. We appreciate coach hanging in there with us. Uh, Coach, as far as NC State, uh, MJ Morrison, you could argue that uh, his entree as the starting quarterback for the Wolfpack is uh, rejuvenated and, and in some ways turned around their season. Three and one. He was, in fact, listed as the starting quarterback on their game notes that were released Monday. I know how you coaches love game notes. So, you know... It's just interesting to me that the, the plan was to redshirt him, but they're going to stick with that plan, it
3: appears. Are you surprised at that move? Yeah, I, I don't know that that had that as much to do with the coaching staff as it did the young man making that decision that he wanted to redshirt. And that leads back, Patrick, to my mind of today's, Athlete and the transfer portal and the NIL and all those type of things you got to deal with, where you have to recruit your own players all over again. Because to me, if he wants to be redshirted this year, then he's doing that to save a year of eligibility so he can put himself on the market and see how much NIL money he can get somewhere else. I, I think you know I, and I don't know that for sure, but just reading between the lines, that's what I would say. Or in forcing NC State's hand to give him more money to stay. Because there's no other reason to do that. You got a chance to win. They can win out right now, NC State, and right. have a really yeah. pretty, pretty fantastic year for them, especially for where they started offensively. So it makes no sense to redshirt him from a coaching standpoint. I know you want that guy out there on the field because he has made a tremendous difference for them winning football games. So I, I would say this probably has more to do with him and his family wanting to explore opportunities at the end of the season, like a lot of young men are. So, you know, yeah. again, I go back to say it's really difficult for coaches now in college football because you have to continually be recruiting your own players. And you better have a great relationship with the key players, especially your quarterbacks, so that you can keep those guys because that's, that's the bell cow of any program. We're
2: going to uh, have something on the uh, Team Boneyard NIL on uh, Friday. And uh, it's, I know Stephen did an article for uh, Hoist the Colors. I I can't remember if I was told he was having a guest uh, on that, or I don't think he did today, maybe tomorrow, I'm not sure. But point being that when you are in this day and age, it's, as the great Cy Seymour said when we talked to him Monday, and he was talking about basketball, of course, it's the two R's, it it is the recruiting, but it's also the retention. So, I mean, this is what has made already a 365-day enterprise uh, maybe that was tw- 12 hours a day, now 20 hours a day, I have to imagine, uh, 365 year-round, and you better have a well-stocked cupboard as far as your NIL goes to be able to compete if you want to win games.
3: Yeah, you, you do, And but at the same time, I'll just say this, Patrick, you know, college football, basketball, whatever, particularly football, it's always going to be a people business. I mean, you still – have to have relationships with people. You've got to be able to connect with your players. you got to be able to connect with your own staff to get these guys to go in the right direction. You know, money alone is not going to win games for people. You still right. have got to be able to win these guys over. That's why I say the relationship between, you know, offensive coordinator and quarterback, quarterback coach and quarterback, that thing has really got to be solid now to hold on to a kid for any program. And and if you have a really good relationship, and I was fortunate. I had some great college quarterbacks, you know, Mark Crandall and David Garrard here, and then uh, uh, Josh Cribbs and Julian Edelman at at Kent State. Because I keep thinking back, you know, would I have lost those guys? Would I have lost Josh Cribbs and Julian Edelman back in the NIL if that NIL had been in place at that time? Because Kent State doesn't have NIL money and wouldn't today. But I I think – and, you know, i might be being, being naive, but I think I would have a chance to hang on to those two because of the relationship I had with them. I think it would give me a chance to hang on to them. Uh, and I think that's really important now more than ever that you better have a great relationship with your players. Coach,
2: I uh, just want to remind you Kent State plays tonight on CBS Sports Network at 7. So if you're, if you're looking for something to do on Wednesday, Kent State, uh, football, catch the excitement tonight, some action.
3: I may turn in some action. Action plays like every night of the week, don't they? That's like unbelievable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got Doug Barton here with us. Um, All right, so it's been quite a time at Michigan, and uh, they're third in the uh, the college football playoff ratings rankings. Uh, This is their first kind of big test this weekend when they go to Penn State, and you know Penn State's in the top ten of this thing. They'll have a roadie at Maryland, then uh, Ohio State, who currently sits at number one again in the CFP rankings. But uh, could is this any? I mean, is this something Michigan? All the controversy um, aside, is this something that Michigan needs to be concerned about?
3: The, the Penn State game you're talking about? Yes, sir. Yeah, I you know. If you look at James Franklin's record there, Penn State State has not been good against ranked teams, you know, for a long time. And, you know, they got blown away there at Ohio State and didn't play well in that one. So, I I don't know. They're a little bit of a front-running program, I think. So, I I think Michigan probably handles them. Now, I will say this, Michigan and Ohio State, those, and, and forever, those have been two of the best jobs for coaches because you don't play anybody. I mean, there's, there's nobody in the Big Ten that can beat those guys. Right. Now, adding right. some teams now, adding some teams now that might change a little bit. But the old model of the Big Ten, I mean, think about those games that they play Northwestern, Indiana, Purdue. I mean, those, they play about one or two, two, three, maybe really tough games every year and have a chance to win a national right. championship. It's not like the SEC or the ACC where you really are going to get tested week after week. So. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that those two programs uh, – and I think sometimes it hurts those two programs because they're not battle-tested by the time they get to the playoffs.
2: Right. Uh, but I, right. Think Michigan,
3: I think Michigan rolls in this one, though. I think they'll beat Penn State probably pretty easily.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's always perplexed me about the Big Ten when you know they're talking about, well, this they're going to receive all this money like the SEC. The SEC is clearly the top-to-bottom better league, and uh, you're 100% accurate when – it gets to bowl time and, and major bowl time and post-season time. Uh, the big 10 has its issues. Uh, so we've got a couple of uh, highly ranked teams that uh, are maybe on a little bit of uh be on the lookout uh, uh, alert or upset alert, Utah at Washington. I, I think that could be problematic for Washington at home. Um, I, even Ole Miss-Georgia, you know, D- Georgia's great. I, mean, I know what a big fan you are of them, but, uh, you know, Ole Miss is uh, – <laughs> they can score a ton of points. And then there was one other one that uh, I wanted to ask you about. Oh, and then USC at Oregon. Of those three, you know, top six teams, who who is most likely to, to maybe lose? Washington at home to Utah? Could Georgia lose the number nine uh, – Ohio or uh, Ole Miss, or can USC yeah. kind of put it together and beat Oregon? I don't think – I think yeah. that one Oregon rolls, but –
3: yeah, I think Oregon wins because USC still can't play defense. I mean, I, you know, you can fire your defense coordinator in the middle of the season if you want to. It's not going to make your defense better. And they just don't have the players right now on the defense side of the ball. The Washington-Utah game, I think, will be really fun to watch. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Washington now. Penix, I think, is an unbelievable quarterback, unbelievable talent. I think they do a great job. Uh, and, but they can play defense, too. I mean, they are a tough physical football team. So that'll be an interesting matchup because Utah is always going to bring defense and always going to be tough and physical. They're struggling on offense right now. But I, I think Washington wins that game and continues undefeated. Um, but I think that would be a good game to watch. I think probably Washington would be the most upset alert, I would say. The Georgia-Ole mm-hmm. Miss game I Think it will be a good game, but I just don't think Ole Miss can score that many points on Georgia, and, and Georgia's going to score. They're getting really healthy on offense right now. They're doing a lot of unique things. Uh, I think they've gotten better as the year's gone on. They've gotten better and better and better offensively. The quarterback has really improved from week to week to week, which is the mark, again, of a good football program, a good football team. Uh, right. So, and that's even without their best player. The tight end's not playing right now, who's one of their best players. Uh, and they're still rolling pretty good. So yeah, I think until somebody can knock them off, they're still the the top, top dog to me.
2: Coach, let me ask you a little bit about uh... – JMU they're going to have um UConn, who's really really uh hit the struggle bus this year after making a bowl and uh you know JMU more than likely is going to be 10 and 0 after this uh weekend kind of what they have done with the jump from FCS to FBS is pretty remarkable
3: it it's very similar to the way Georgia Southern and Appy State when they came in they they had a good you know a good run uh, but th- those are tr- done, traditionally, those are really good football programs that have great football tradition that can make that jump. You know, Boise State was like that. Boise State was a junior college when they started, and, you know, and they went Division II and then on up to FCS and then jumped to FBS. And, and we're always able to do that because of the tradition they'd already started. So I think that's where JMU is also. It's always been really important to have football at that school They've always been really good. Everybody has really won there. There's nobody, nobody that's really gone in there and failed. Um, so it's important to them. And I think they've got their tradition to, to make that jump and make it quickly. The thing I would be interested in is I, I still don't understand the, the NCA's rule about making them ineligible for a bowl game, right? I mean, it's right. hard. It's harder to do what they've done, go from FCS to FBS and get bowl eligible you know than it is uh you know to be an fbs team i mean they didn't have the same number of scholarships they hadn't been able to recruit as an fbs team i don't know why you punish teams like that that's never made any sense to me
2: all right we got coach martin on the uh horn with us uh here uh victory bell this weekend uh it is duke visiting north carolina wouldn't you know the tar heels who lost to two unranked teams they beat up on old campbell and they're back in the top 25 It's Funny how that works. All right, so uh, – and, and look, Duke with a third-string quarterback beat Wake. Now, they didn't lead till the ball went through the uprights at the end, but they still won, and they were at home, so that, that probably helped a little. But um, who do you like in this one and why?
3: Well, I think it's probably North Carolina just because of, of Duke with the quarterback situation. If Riley Leonard was healthy and he was playing, I would tell you Duke all the way because they play defense – Riley Leonard's a difference maker at quarterback and can really make plays. But, boy, they just really are going to struggle to, I think, score points um, without him. And I think, you know, North Carolina can score, obviously. You know, they've got a great quarterback that can, can make things happen. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably Carolina. But, again, I have a lot of, a lot of respect for Duke and what they've done, the uh, coaching staff there, Coach Elko and what he's built. I think they're really well coached. They're really a lot of discipline. They put a lot of discipline. They put a lot of passion. You can st- tell he's exactly what you and I talked about earlier, Patrick. You, you can tell he's got a relationship with those players. I mean, they play right. hard. And, you know, and he's he's able to get on them when he needs to. He's able to love them up when he needs to. And I think, again, that goes back to it because he's, he's got a good relationship with those kids.
2: All right. Uh, is there any team we haven't talked about, any game we haven't talked about this week, Week 11, that – you've you've looked at you thought okay this is interesting maybe there's a player that you think's playing particularly well right now anybody that is in that vein as you rack your brain that might uh, come to mind
3: uh you know I, the one we talked about a little bit was Oregon and, and USC Oregon I would tell you that they're one of the hottest teams out there right now especially with a one loss team um you know I, I think they're a dangerous team once you get to the college playoffs which they're probably going to be in um, and the other one is Alabama. You know, I, I, this might be one of Coach Saban's best coaching jobs that he's had. Yeah. You know, to go from where they've done the quarterback-wise and offensively struggled and kind of maintaining defensively and then getting better and better and better offensively. And now all of a sudden they've kind of found found a personality, found an identity. You know, I think they're they're a team to watch too. And, uh, again, everybody knows what a great coach he is. I think one of the better jobs he's done. Do you think he'll be back i think he will coach until he can't coach anymore you know really coach saban is a kent state grad i don't know if you knew that yeah but you know yeah so i got to know i got to know him well when i was at kent state he he liked to come back and visit around there and uh you know really fun guy to talk to very intelligent um but you know some guys just it's just in their blood you know they just they want to coach until they can't coach anymore and I think he's one of those guys. He really still has a passion for it, and he's healthy. He's t- taking good care of himself. So yeah, I think as long as he's healthy and he's enjoying it, he's going to keep going.
2: I think you need to call up coach and you need to say, hey, from one Kent State guy to another, come on to Carteret County. I'll take you out on the boat. And I think if you do that, you <laughs> guys can, you can get him out there on the ocean. This, You, Logan, and Sabin, that would be the way to go. <laughs>
3: He is a fishing guy now. It wouldn't take much to do that. You just got to catch him at the right time.
2: (laughs) Coach, I, I, we impose on your time too much. Uh, and, and I love it because, uh, this is the segment we get the most reaction to, uh, of everything we do during the week. People love, uh, when you're on talking ball. So we appreciate it very much. And, uh, we'll catch you next week, coach.
3: All right, my man. I enjoyed it. Thank you.
2: All right. There he is. Doug Martin. Great to talk to coach Martin. And uh, Pilk, I, I need to send you the the photo. He texts me of his uh, of his uh, vessel. I, we should have asked him what he was going to name it.
4: Right? Ah, I know.
2: Ah, we'll have to do important that next week, I guess. Was left it is out of the show. Information. Yeah, it was. I know. I know. A good producer would have would have told me to ask him that. Fair enough. I should have uh,
4: told you in your ear, My bad. I'll take the blame. <laughs> Just don't make well, me run gassers like Coach Logan does.
2: No, I won't. You're always going to take the blame, you know that. All right, uh, I just I just text that to you, Pilk. So let's get your real time reaction to the Doug Martin uh, boat photo. It's good looking
4: boat. Good looking boat. It's a beautiful boat.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's going to have We're some really... fun
4: fishing. We're uh, if, yes. if that boat <laughs> had enough gas, we would not see him next week because he'd ride it all the way to the Mediterranean, and we'd call him, and he'd be like, "Yo, it's it's 11 p.m. here. I'm asleep." Right.
2: <laughs> the Mediterranean. Uh, all right. Well, we uh, are going to get a break. And when we come back, uh, we'll discuss a few things in the world of sports. How about Ron Washington? Back in the game, baby. Milk reported that at the bottom of the hour. We'll uh, talk with you about that and more news and notes. Also, uh, remind you of our programming schedule for the rest of the week. All of that right after uh, this time out on the PJ show. And now,
0: the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back.
2: Uh, Ben, my buddy Ben, messaging me here. I'm on my boat, and I heard Coach Martin talk about memorable wins, Miami being one. I was there have a mint program that I would be glad to give him. Okay. I surely knew it was a special win and bought several. All right. Bill, do you know what the old game programs are? Are you old enough to remember that or no?
4: I would say, unfortunately I am. Cause I'm sad that they're gone. So yes, yeah, I, I do know the old that. game programs and it ticks me off that well, you can now download your program on your phone. Well, I don't right. want it on my phone because I don't want to pay for a $40 T-shirt that's the same every game. I want something that's specific to this game. Oh, wait, Patrick, I can just bring my ticket. Oh, wait, that's on my phone, too. Okay, don't get me started, Patrick. You done got me ticked off.
2: (laughs) This could be a hold my beer for you. This could be. You know, um, there's just something that was really uh, cool that was about, you know, a tangible game program. Um, And when I was... Freshman or sophomore at ECU, I actually wrote a couple stories for the game program. Sports Information had me do that. They weren't particularly well written, but I did write a few stories.
4: Hey, how many people before. can say they've done that though? That's cool.
2: Yeah, that just popped in my head. Boy, I've done a lot of stuff, haven't I?
4: Yeah. A lot, a lot for a young man, for as young as you yeah, are. Yeah, a lot
2: for a young guy. I've done a lot. It's, uh, I, I, I probably don't realize how fortunate I've been sometimes. Um, yeah, that's um, we'll, we'll work that out, Ben. If you're still listening, uh, and I'll I'll drop you a message. I'll I'll get you and Doug linked up. That would be cool to get Coach one of those and get it in the mail or something to him. I think that'd be awesome, don't you?
4: Yeah, I think he'd really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, uh, and if you got plenty of them, maybe we can work one out and get it to Logan.
4: There Just you go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Speaking of uh, Logan, Coach Logan will be, uh, Ben gives me, uh, let me see here. Oh, that's a thumb. Okay. He gave me the thumbs up. So, Ben, I'll get up with you, and we'll uh, we'll figure it out. So, thanks for listening today. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, Logan, we've got Coach Logan and the Logan Zone coming your way Friday. Um, I'm not, well, yeah, it'll be 5 to 6, so I, they should be able to get uh, the show on all the talk properties. Uh, and now Ben says he can do Coach Logan 1-2.
4: All right, get up with Henry, and we'll make this work. I was about uh, to say, ben. Patrick's got the hookup. I, I should be friends with this Ben guy. First, when you said Ben, I thought you meant <laughs> B baby, but no, no,
2: no. This is uh, this is another uh, guy. Great pirate, great pirate fan, interesting guy. And uh, I've just sort of met him this year, and uh, you know he's known Henry. I think they may have been in school together, he and Henry. But he's Ben's. Where, where Henry's kind of like an old geeze, you know, an old geezer. Ben's like a young, like a Cy Seymour type, a young young guy.
4: Uh, so if I In meet Ben, ways. I can't use the joke that he went to East Carolina Teachers College, like I like to use with Henry.
2: Oh, you could, you could. I don't know how far you'd get with it, but yeah. You could. But if he's,
4: if you say he acts young, you know, it takes away yeah, from the fun I'm, of you know.
2: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I give Cy all kinds of jokes all the time, though, about even though he's the world's youngest teenager.
4: He definitely so. is. Um.
2: I was going to say, Coach Logan, Friday, 5 o'clock, right here on 94.3 The Game. Also, uh, he'll be on 96.3 and 103.7, our sister uh, talk stations. Got I go tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow with John Feinstein, and we'll hear from the Pirate coordinators, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell, as we get you ready for ECU and FAU. Uh, Friday, we'll uh, talk a little Team Boneyard and preview the college basketball uh, weekend, so all of that coming your way. Uh, the re- remainder of the week for this program, will be back in the morning on Talk of the Town. Uh, Ron Kimball, who is the uh, one-time uh, city manager in Greenville, will be uh, on the program tomorrow. So if you're a longtime Greenville uh, person, he'll be on with us in the studio tomorrow morning. Uh, he and his wife, their daughter, uh, in a domestic situation with a boyfriend, was killed. And uh, they have uh, started an organization and a foundation uh, against domestic violence, so... That's uh something that uh is they're gonna discuss with us tomorrow. So uh something that's uh, really interesting in the community uh, on Talk of the Town tomorrow. Uh Pilk, how about Ron Washington? Are you are, who who is it that hired him? The Angels. I did not see this the Angels? coming. Do you think that the Angels thought that he was the manager for the Rangers this year?
4: They must have. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> the Angels have never known what's going on. They're not gonna be able to hold on to Shohei. Yeah, I think they didn't realize that he hasn't been at the Rangers since 2014. Well, he's been with
2: the Braves, hasn't he? Like yeah, he's like a third base coach. coach. Third base coach. Yeah. yeah. Go We've
4: go go go. Baseball, go! Stop man, stop man. stop! You know, it's <laughs> what he's of been
2: doing. <laughs> no, right, I like thanks, Ron Washington. Doug I one. really do.
4: He's just yeah. you know, yeah, 71.
2: Yeah, and Ron got in a little trouble once. All right. Uh. Thanks to Doug Martin, thanks to Pilkington. See you tomorrow morning on Talk of the Town back here at 5 on the PJ Show tomorrow. (laughs)